Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Today, I want to talk to you about serving the Lord with gladness. Amen. That's such a good thing to do. It's something we all are called to do as Christians. Matter of fact, it's a command to serve the Lord with gladness. And what better day than the Lord's day to talk about this idea of serving the Lord with gladness. Psalm 100 verse 2 is our text verse. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Psalm 100 verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Hey, you know, that's a command uh, to serve him with gladness. And you may wonder, you know, what exactly does gladness mean? Of course, we've all said, uh, you know, we're glad to have you here today and so on and so forth. Uh, But what does gladness mean? I'm glad you might have asked. (laughs) Uh, No pun intended. I'm using the word glad to define glad. But hey, let's get to it. Gladness means a condition of supreme well-being, good spirits, beatitude, blessedness, bliss, cheer, cheerfulness, felicity, happiness, joy, joyfulness. Gladness is my kind of word. Amen. That's a beautiful word. You know, it's the idea of being happy, being thankful, uh, kind of being in a right spirit, uh, understanding how blessed we are, uh, being cheerful, you know, and, and having that true joy in our hearts. And you know, what's interesting, uh, in this time, in this day and age, if you are truly living for the Lord, whew, is it hard to serve him with gladness? Hey, talk to a preacher who's been in the ministry any length of time, really. And they're preaching to a congregation that is down and out, that's giving them those long faces. And they're knocking on doors and getting that door slammed in their faces. They just want to tell someone the good news about Jesus Christ. Most people knocking on your door, they want to get something from you. We're trying to give something to people, the free gift of salvation. Uh, man, you get pushed around here, there, and everywhere. The uh, devil's tempting you, throwing his fiery darts. You deal with so much turmoil. You deal with so much strife. You deal with emotions, depression, anxiety. You deal with uh, uh, political pressures now coming from the government. You know, it's not easy being a Christian, amen, believing in uh, marriage between a man and a woman, believing in the sanctity of life, not aborting babies, uh, believing in uh, all of these Judeo-Christian values. It's not easy, amen. You have all of this pressure. And by the way, that trickles down to the schoolhouse. It's hard to send your kids to school now when you're worried if there's going to be a boy in a girl's locker room, Uh, but that's for another message. But you get the idea. It's so hard to live right, but it's so right to live right. And here God's saying in his word through David, he said, by the way, serve me with gladness. Come on now. If you're honest, you know that that's a difficult ask. But if you've been in God's word any length of time, you know he's not a liar. And you know that he made us, amen. He defined us, he made us, he foreknew us. He knows how many hairs we have on our head. He knows our heart. He knows our soul. He foreknew what we would do in this life. I believe all of that. Uh, He created the universe and that means he created us. 
And so when he commands us to through through David to serve him with gladness, he knows it's in our capacity to do so. And he knows, by the way, according to Romans 8.28, it's never a message that I preach unless I'm mentioning Romans 8.28. Uh, he knows, by the way, that this is best for us. So not only does he know we can do it, and not only is that gratifying and glorifying to God himself, but he also knows that it's best for us to do it this way. That's why he calls us to serve him with gladness. So let's get after it. Let's look at this idea. How can we serve God with gladness in these latter days, in these last days, in the Laodicean church age, when everything is falling apart and there's a great falling away and there's all this turmoil? How can we be happy and glad and joyful in Jesus? Amen. You know, think about this. When I talk about it being a commandment, you know, what are some other commandments from the Lord? You know, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's uh, from uh, Matthew 22, verse 37. That's a commandment. And we start thinking about that. You know, it doesn't come natural in this world to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Because it, the Lord, uh, he is God, and he is holy, and the world, it is wrapped up in sin, and it is run by the devil and his fallen angels, and it is not holy. So the world we live in, the place we are dwelling in now, uh, just for this short period of time as pilgrims passing through, but the place that we are in now is not holy, and yet we are called to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. Yet when we do that, that's what's going to breed that gladness. Amen. We are going to be glad in serving God when we find joy in him. So let me ask you, what does it mean to find joy in someone? You know, if you really love someone, you know, what do you want to do? You know, uh, I gave the example to our congregation on uh, last Sunday morning. I said, you know, I love my wife. I said it like this. I said, when we fell in love, because that's how you say love. He said, love. We fell in love. I, I wanted to put her first. I wanted to know what she liked or what, what she wanted to do. And I wanted to do those things. I wanted to be involved with her. I, I found joy in her. I, I, I enjoyed spending time with her. I enjoyed watching her smile and her laugh. I, I, I wanted to share her burdens. That's love, right? Well, shouldn't that be how we are with Jesus? our first love, our true love. Uh, you know, the Bible calls the church, and if you've been saved, you're part of the church, the bride of Christ, amen? So we should find joy in Jesus. Yes, that kind of deep, relevant, passionate joy in Jesus. We should find joy in who he is, you know? And when we do that, it's going to make us glad to serve him. And what better way to find joy in Jesus than to think on the cross. You know, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4 sum up the cross very well. This is an unmatchable love that he has towards us. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You know, that is the gospel in a nutshell. I've always been taught that 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 is the clearest picture of the gospel in the Bible, and uh, I believe it. Uh, and, and what we see here is Jesus Christ, he loved us, 
so much that he died for our sins, not his sins, because he was perfect. And he didn't have to die. He chose to die. And it was according to the scriptures that he died. It was foreknown. It was foretold. It was prophecy that he would die. And then on the third day, according to the scriptures, he was raised again. Amen. God miraculously, gloriously raised him from the dead. And that resurrection was that, that first fruits coming up out of the ground. That was God's hand on Jesus Christ saying, this is the Christ, this is the Messiah. And then if there were any doubt, he was seen uh, by Cephas and the Twelve and over 500 others. Uh, you know, in the court of law, uh, even two people seeing the same thing, that's considered credible witness, credible eyewitness. And Jesus was seen by 500. Have you really ever met a serious uh, historian that has even doubted the historicity of who Jesus is? No, they don't doubt it. Uh, in fact, it's very well documented, even in uh, secular books, that Jesus lived and had this ministry. And it's very easy to, to really have faith in Jesus and believe in Jesus because history backs up his existence. And when he was uh, resurrected from the dead, he was fully, completely our propitiation, our uh, substitutionary death for sin. Because we are sinners and we ourselves cannot pay a sin debt. And yet God is holy. And even though God loves us, that doesn't change his holiness. So the price had to be paid for our sin. God could not take us to heaven sinful and say, okay, well, I'm just going to bend the rules on my holiness. It doesn't work like that. When you're 100% holy, there is 100% no sin there. And so God needed the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb. And that came from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, sinless, spotless, blameless, died on the cross for our sins. And when we believe on him, when we believe on his death, his substitutionary death for our sin, we are then saved. And when we are saved, we are saved from what? From hell. We are saved from eternal damnation and hellfire. We are saved from eternity away from God in, in, in a lake of fire that, that burns eternally, the flame, the gnashing of teeth that go on and on. There's a whole lot about hell in the Bible. Hell is a real place and it's all over the Bible. I heard a great preacher mention the other day, if you don't believe that, uh, that, that hell's in the Bible, then you can't believe in heaven because hell's in the Bible more than heaven, I believe. So, hey, this is what we need to know. Jesus died for our sins. We accept Jesus Christ as Savior. If you haven't accepted him, I, I, I tell you today should be the day. Today has to be the day. Tomorrow is not promised. Accept Jesus. Invite him into your heart today. Uh, that's a little extra here in the message, but you accept Jesus Christ as Savior. It really is an extra in the fact that when we accept Jesus, we then are uh, made whole for that holy God our holy God, and we are then allowed into heaven, amen. We are then made heirs. We are then made part of the church body, amen. We are then given heavenly rewards. And all of this is from the sacrifice of one, and that is Jesus Christ dying for all. First John 4.10, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, that's the payment, the full payment, making everything whole for our sins. So when we find joy in what Jesus did on the cross, when we find that understanding that, that he thought of us on the cross, that he thought of you, that he thought of me, and he said, I'm going to do it, Father. I'm going to be obedient. I will taste death. And, and I believe, and, and, and many preachers have, have preached this as well, I believe that Jesus bore the sin of all mankind during those uh, three days in the grave. 
and on the cross. I believe that, that, that every, you know, he drank of that bitter cup. It's indescribable what he went through. And when the Bible describes him being basically unrecognizable physically, I believe that was also an, uh, alluding to what he had to go through emotionally and mentally as, as he's literally bearing the burden of sin for all of humanity so that we could then not be condemned, so that we could then enter into heaven if we've accepted him as Savior and Lord. When we think about that, we should find great joy in Jesus. Amen. I mean, we should just want to thank him and praise him all day, every day. We should not complain or murmur. We should not ask for anything else ever again other than that because it is so great and it is so remarkable and if you start really thinking about it jesus is god that's part of the holy trinity god the father god the son and god the holy ghost and you start thinking about it god sent himself essentially to then go ahead and pay the price for the sin to then make us holy to then allow us into his heaven which is perfect paradise and so we love god and we cherish god and we we thank god and we worship god and we praise god and what is that do that makes us gladly serve him that makes us want to approach him in singing and praise in love that makes anything else that we do never measure up you know if you ever got on fire for god god and then you go try to do something else uh whatever that may be maybe go uh to a secular you know you have a great day on sunday you go to your secular job on monday uh you know you have a great day at church you go back to school or whatever it is and you say, oh man, I miss church. I miss the Holy Spirit just moving around and all these things, even though the Holy Spirit's living within us. Uh, hey, you know, and we are put into school and work as a witness and so forth. God put us there. It's not like we can leave. But my point I'm making is there is a sweetness in fellowship with God, a sweetness in living close to God. And then that sweetness should carry through to our gladness to serve him. And as I mentioned, we have the Comforter, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So you are built, you are literally built to serve him with gladness because you have the Holy Ghost living within you if you've been saved. So you're truly built to serve him with gladness. Have you ever thought of it that way? When you say, oh God, how can I serve you with gladness? I've, I've got a bill to pay. I've got a medical condition. I've got stress. I've got family problems. I've got strife. I've got I've got a, a criminal issue. I've got a legal issue. I've got uh, bad weather, bad hair, bad this, bad that, whatever it is. Have you ever thought that God gave you that Holy Spirit, the great comforter, to just help you? Amen. As you as you repent, as you get close to God, amen, as you pray, as you get in his word, you are going to enliven that Holy Spirit, right? The Bible talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, we need to enliven, enrich the Holy Spirit. We need to have that Holy Spirit just running about us. Like uh, the Holy Spirit was in Elizabeth where John kicked uh, when Jesus walked in the room through Mary, through the Virgin Mary in that great piece of scripture. We need to have that Holy Spirit kicking within us, amen? And when we have that, we have that comforter in us, we are given the equipment, we are given the, the, the uh, I don't know, the physiology, probably wrong word, but you know what I mean. We're given the physical nature to serve him with gladness. So it truly becomes something mental on us, something emotional, something of discipline and obedience. But when we think about that true agape love that is Christ, and we think about uh, 1 John 4.10, that he loved 
uh, us. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let me ask you this today. Did God do that before or after you were saved? Well, he did it way before, right? He did it before you were born, unless you are uh, 2000 and some years old, he did it before you were born. But the point is he knew us. He knew you. He knew me before the universe was created, before anything was created. God knew us. He foreknew us and he knew this was going to happen. And his perfect plan of salvation was sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross. So when we think of that, it should breed a joy in us. It should allow us to cherish Jesus, to love him, to worship him, to be happy and joyful about Jesus Christ because he is the savior of our lives. Is your joy in Jesus today? I mean, think about that. Let me ask you this. And of course, I can't hear your response to the radio, but let me ask you this. What's stopping you from finding joy in Jesus today? Whatever it is, would you pray about it? Would you ask God to remove that stumbling block, remove that barrier and allow you to have that joy, allow you to return to your first love, allow you to have that gladness and service? You know, he wants you to be happy. You know, the the Bible talks a lot about this. You'd be surprised. The Bible speaks of uh, giving. You know, uh, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, right? The Bible speaks of uh, returning to your first love uh, in Revelation and and how you can do all of these things. But if you don't have love, uh, then you need to return to your first love because they're not valid. You know, God wants a right heart more than he wants a big heart. gift or something like that, right? Obedience is greater than sacrifice. And so whatever is getting in the way, whatever barrier you have, pray to God today. Take this time to pray to him. Ask him. He's right here. Amen. Maybe he allowed you to hear this message for this reason right here. Pray to God. Ask him. Say, Jesus, Lord, guide me. Get me through this stumbling block. Get me through this barrier and let me serve you with gladness. Let me be glad no matter what circumstance I'm in whether I'm like Paul and Silas in the prison or whether I'm like Solomon in in, in the uh, temple, wherever I'm at or anywhere in between, let me just serve you with gladness. And that's what we need to do. We need to find joy in him and then move to serving him with gladness because only after we found joy in him can we truly and honestly serve him with gladness? This is not some deep theological sermon here. This is a very simple principle. Find joy in Jesus move on to serving him with gladness. Again, going back to your love, if you love somebody, you'd be glad to serve that person. You love it. You know, you want them to know, you know, Uh, you want them to know. Like my wife, you know, it's like I do the dishes and I'm like, if she doesn't notice I did the dishes, I was like, hey, honey, look, look, look at the dishes. You know, you want them to know. Or if I have one of the kids bring her coffee that I made her coffee, I'll tell the kids, now you tell mom, daddy made that. You know, you want her to know. That's how we should be with the Lord. You know, he knows everything. He knows our hearts, our minds, our souls. But still, we should have that eagerness about us to say, hey, Lord, you know, we're out here. We're doing it for you. Amen. Now, let me again mention one thing. Uh, Only after you find joy in him can you truly, honestly serve him. And uh, the reason why is because how can you serve a master in gladness that you don't like, right? 
That's, a, that's kind of the inverse or the opposite of finding joy in Jesus is, you know, the, is there bitterness there? You know, have you ever had a boss that you don't like? I mentioned that in church and everybody's eyes kind of got big and they all kind of uh, nodded because everybody's had a bad boss. I'm sure if you've had a few jobs, you've had a bad boss. I would argue that a boss's job, sometimes it can be a little bit uh to be a little bit, uh, not mean, but firm, right? I, I had bosses and I had coaches when I played sports and they, they weren't always the nicest people, but they were effective managers. And so again, that's probably for another message. Uh, but the idea here is that if you have a, a situation where you have bitterness built up, you can't serve that master with gladness. And again, if we have something standing in the way between us and Jesus, let's get it right today. You know, he wants to get, pour out his mercy on you. He wants to pour out his grace on you. I can't promise worldly riches. I can't promise those things. That's not in the Bible. But what I can promise is a peace that surpasses all understanding. What I can promise is that when you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. What I can promise is that God is faithful and that his word is true and that he cannot lie and that he will deliver on his word. And then when he says, serve me with gladness, he means it. Amen. So we need to equip ourselves to understand who he is by finding joy in him and then move forward in service. You know, I, I like to think of this as the proper state of mind. You know, in service, we can go into service thinking this is a chore or this is a this is a, something that's uh, difficult or or feel uh, it's very easy in the ministry to get discouraged. You know, maybe you're a missionary trying to raise deputation and you're not really getting a lot. Or, you know, maybe you're a preacher and you don't have a lot of people come to your church. I can relate to that. Or maybe you have whatever it is. Hey, we need to get the proper state of mind. What does the Bible say? Philippians 4, 8. Think on these things, things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of a good report, things that have any virtue or any praise. Think on these things. Again, what what are those things? That's that's God. That's Jesus Christ. That's that's his love. That's who he is. And then beyond that, it's, I can think of the things that he's made and, you know, things that are true and honest and just and pure. That's our Lord and Savior. Amen. And so we need to think on those things, get in the proper state of mind. We need to equip ourselves. We need to understand that our role in service is a privilege. And the reason why is because God does not need us. He allows us to be partakers in his holiness and do his service. It's a gift. It's a phenomenal opportunity. And yeah, it's a job, but he is allowing this. He is saying, look, I, I don't need you. I'm a king. I'm the king of kings, Lord of lords. I can get anyone I want to do this, but I've selected you and I want to reward you. And I want you to earn some heavenly rewards. And I want you to have that peace that, that many will never have. And I want you to have my provision and have my protection and, and have this experience. And, and I want you to do this holy service. You know, that's the way we need to think of it as a tremendous opportunity. As, a, as, a, as, as a, uh, one preacher said, it's like God condescending himself or bringing himself low enough to allow us to come alongside. Another one I thought of was, because uh, I oftentimes say one preacher, uh, but uh, another one I thought of was Charles uh, Spurgeon. Uh, he mentioned, I read a great sermon on serving with gladness. If you have a phone or Google, you can look up Spurgeon, serve with gladness. It'll, it'll come up, I'm sure. Wonderful sermon. And in that sermon that I read, uh, he mentioned the idea that people are willing to serve their country. They're willing to serve their boss. They're willing to serve, uh, 
you know, so many different ways, Sir, you know, serve in a club, in the community, in politics, and da 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 They'll serve anything, but they don't want to serve God. I thought that's very interesting and very true, and it tests back to the wickedness we see in the world today. Uh, so we have to serve him with gladness. We have to understand where we're at, and we have to realize it's a privilege. And we have to realize, too, there'll be stumbling blocks. And so we need to get over those stumbling blocks, not allow them to stop us, have that attitude of fidelity where we align with Jesus. We don't feel like it's service, but a chance to fellowship with the king in his business. You have to love it. You have to just understand that it is the very best thing for you, for you to stay close to him and do it in gladness or else you'll start begrudging it or getting angry about it. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, very familiar verse. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when we're yoked up with Jesus, we're serving him. It doesn't have to be bad or hard or awful. It can be wonderful and lovely. The idea of being aware of who God is and eagerly serving him, it breeds this obedience to his will. You know, and that's very important to think about. Who was obedient unto death? Jesus. Who else? Well, think of a lot of the disciples, Paul and Peter, John the Baptist, and many more great saints of God. They were obedient unto death. Serving God with gladness comes from that deep obedience where you want to live for him. You realize who he is. You believe. You know, the Bible talks about believing, right? Belief is so important. Believing that that he is God and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does it mean to do something diligently? It means to think of it detailed and take it serious and approach it uh, with all your intellect, with all your mind, with all your heart and soul, Right. That's what God wants of us. And that obedience comes from understanding and belief. You know, if someone says they don't want to serve the Lord or they're so tired of serving the Lord, they don't like the Lord, they're mad at God or whatever it is, part of them, I think, is missing the belief. And here's why I think that. Because you should have a fear of God. If you know God, if you get in his word, you understand God, you pray to God, you should understand he's a mighty God. He's a fearful God. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. We must fear God. And if you don't have that healthy fear of God, then I pray tonight that you go to God in earnest prayer and you ask him to reveal himself to you. Amen. You ask him to show up and show out. Amen. You ask him to move in your heart. You ask him to be king in your heart and Lord in your heart, and you don't let him go until he blesses you. Amen. That's biblical. You have to stay there pursuing God, not giving up and understanding that truly as you get to know him, you will know he is a fearful God. You, you will not want to mess with God. Amen. You don't, you don't, God's not mocked. You don't want to tempt God. You don't want to blaspheme God. Again, I'm looking at my clock. I only have a few minutes, but again, we must turn to Jesus. His yoke is easy and his burdens light. We must understand that obedience breeds, um, Gladness and obedience comes from that that deep reverence for who he is, fearing God and loving him and serving him with all our heart, mind, and soul. Finally, in the next minute here I've got, don't look back. You know, what happened to Lot's wife when she turned around to gaze at Sodom one last time? She turned into a pillar of salt. She looked back at Sodom and said, mm, I kind of miss it. Oh, I dearly, I'm going to miss all these worldly things. 
And that was enough for her to turn into a pillar of salt. We are to not look back at the carnal life we're given up. Remember, to have true, complete joy in Jesus, we must give ourselves fully to him. You've heard many preachers say the most miserable person on earth is not the lost person, but it's the saved Christian that's backslid. And I believe that's completely true. If you're saved and you are living in sin, God has taken you to the woodshed over and over again, and you are miserable, okay? And you're looking back at your carnal life, and you don't fit in there because you're a new creature, and you're looking at God, and you're saying, well, this is hard, and I'm going to give some stuff up. I don't want to give up, and it's miserable. Look, let me save you a lot of pain and agony. Give it all to God. Go all in. You know, I don't have time to get into it, but Clemson, they won the national championship a couple years ago, and their saying was all in. Hey, they were all in. They won a national championship. I'm a South Carolina Gamecock fan. I guess my team was all out, but either way, hey, Clemson was all in. You need to be all in for God, amen? You need to give 110%. You need to give everything you've got to Jesus Christ. That's what he told uh, that young man. He said, sell all your possessions and follow me, amen? We need to give it all to God, amen? We need to follow him uh, with, with full abandon of everything else. Do not look back. Did Jesus give a half effort to his father? No. Did Jesus expect a half effort from us? No, he does not. What does it look like to not look back? Don't let carnal things of this world bother you. You're not from here. Don't let carnal things of this world tempt you. You're not of here. And don't fall into the trap of playing the what if game with your Christian service because you are his. Don't ever play around like you are not. The Bible says you're bought with a price. The two scriptures that illustrate our place in the Lord's program. First, this is how Jesus views the unsaved, John 8, 8, 23. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. That's Jesus speaking to the Pharisees about their place in his place and how Jesus viewed the save. John 17, 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus is praying to God for his followers to be kept and made like him. Amen. He's saying we're not of the world because he's not of the world. We are saved. Therefore, we are one of his. Therefore, we should serve him with joy, knowing our place with the king. To wrap it up, fall in love with Jesus. Find your joy in him. Move from knowing him to living for him in gladness. And in the spirit of awareness, don't look back to the things of the world. Never look back Press on for Jesus and you will never regret it and you'll serve him with gladness.